All right, we are. Uh, it's cold as balls. Um, how cold is it? Balls. Hoffer has pants on. <laughs> well, to, yeah. to, to Hoffer's defense, uh, he did ride a scooter here. Right. Yeah. I mean, he did, and it's and I'm wearing literally wearing Sorel mukluks. Uh, I'm in my as winter as I can get mode. Wow, in thermal you're, line jeans. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm I have vented shoes. Yeah, he's <laughs> wearing boat shoes. <laughs> wow. DOT boat shoes. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, and I rode the zero today, though. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, that's cool. At 35, I felt like my head, I was eating, uh, I stuck my head in a uh, freezer with ice, and I was eating ice cream. Well, I think yeah. that, uh, I know this morning when I woke up at my house, it was nine degrees. So, and that's not centigrade. That's Fahrenheit. Uh, it was fucking cold, and the uh, there was no chance in hell of me riding anything with two wheels today. No fucking way. It was, it was just, so much salt too. Yeah, yeah. It's I, I do. They did salt heavy for no accumulation. Yeah, yeah. They, they brined everything. Too, they wanted so. to get get out in front of it. Uh, to my left is Johnny Chrome, and to his left, Steve Hoffert, and. Pete Hempling and Dustin Elliott and your humble neighbor Phil Waters, uh, payer of the bills, trying to keep the lights on and uh, basically freezing our asses off in Cleveland. The uh, <clears throat> first thing I wanted to announce, and we'll announce it a little bit more as we go on. People are paying attention. We are raffling off a motorcycle. So for twenty dollars a ticket, somebody's going to be the proud owner of the V7 Scrambler. Uh, for people that did the distinguished gentleman's ride, it's the bike I rode this year in the ride. It's a standard V7 stone. It's got knobby tires on it. Um, it's got uh, Agostini exhaust. It's got the full aluminum side panel and front number plate kit. It has the rear rack uh, and uh, the motocross crossbar on the handlebars, uh, blacked out mirrors, and it is a fantastic fun bike to ride. Headlight guard. Headlight guard, like yep. It's got all the cool stuff. It's got a, a <clears throat> engine oil guard, uh, engine sump oil guard, uh, all Agostini stuff. Very nicely put together bike, if I do say so myself. Um, weighs in at under 400 pounds and is a load of fun to ride. And uh, and as anybody who was watching us through the DGR knows that it will wheelie in first and second gear, no problem. <clears throat> the uh, really fun bike to do. But for 20 bucks a ticket, we are doing 500 tickets total, and we're going to take the profits of it and help offset some of our podcast costs and things like that. So that's how we're going to do the the deal. Uh, so you're gonna buy booze with it. Yep, and we're gonna <laughs> and we're gonna do we're gonna pull the ticket either at uh, when we pull when we sell 500 tickets or at AMA Vintage Days, uh, whichever comes first. Because we figure at AMA Vintage Days, the odds are whoever listens to this podcast is probably gonna be there. And well, and if there's any tickets left over, we can sell them you there. Probably sell them there. Yeah, ride that bike around for three days with a T-shirt on that says 20 bucks. And you'll sell some tickets, you know. And we've done raffles before. It always works out really well. And, you know. Now, uh, are we allowed to buy tickets? Of course you are. Oh, okay. Why not? Well, then. Why not? And remember, you're not. I know I'm not buying any tickets, but. Because you own it. Well, yeah. I just. It's just counterintuitive. But, yeah, you can buy. You just have to re-raffle it again. You can buy one ticket or you can buy 499 tickets. Actually, you can't because. And if you buy 499 tickets and lose, you're that nerdy you're that looking, guy. The nerdy looking guy <laughs> in the internet meme. Yeah, you're in bad shape. The uh, we I just announced it. I mean, I did a light a light announcement of it two days ago, and we've already sold you know 30 some tickets. So, uh oh, 
I hear a knocking. It's a Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Merry Christmas. Yep. The uh We may um we may be vote we it's later on in the podcast. We may be visited by the ghost of John Mecklefresh. <laughs> oh, no. Today, the ghost of John Mecklefresh's birthday passed. Yeah. So if you, guys, yeah, if you guys pay any attention, you'll know that one year ago today, we were visited by the ghost of John Mecklefresh, having just been to the strip club and talking about, what was it? Uh, Strippers. White Lightning and, and Chocolate Thunder. Chocolate Thunder, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, if you're a frequent listener to the podcast, we could be we could have that in store. We'll have to figure out whether or not he actually went to work today or went out to play on his birthday. So, I think he said he's turning 47 years old today. So, well, it's, it's, yeah. it's dangerous kid. where where I work. Yeah, right, <laughs> you get two extra vacation days. One is your birthday, mm-hmm. and the other is your anniversary of your hiring date. Oh, interesting. So I'm like, oh, you're just going to give me my birthday off. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. The anniversary of your hiring date is a very good morale booster, um, reminding yourself and the company that how many years you've been there. That's a really nine good idea. 9-1 of 91. That's that's your hire date? Yep. 9-1 nine, nine, of 91? Yep. Holy shit. Yeah. Ha! My God. Hey, we're at Matchy Matchy! Man, me and Chris Smith are wearing the exact same Moto Guzzi sweater. Oh. Wow, that's the funny. Pretty disgusting. That is hilarious. They're both crammed into it's the same Camaro sweater. Camaro and stereo. <laughs> if you can envision that. Stereo Camaro. And you know what? They're, Good band name. Notch the butch. <laughs> They're, uh, Chris yeah. has galoshes on. I do. He does have galoshes on. Yeah. I wear galoshes. Yeah, galoshes not to be outdone by a muckluck. I'm wearing mucklucks. Yeah, Very few you know, people you know, so, know the word galoshes anymore. Congratulations, yeah. Steve Some people, yeah. some people call them rubbers. I think well, it's, you got to be protected. Well, I wasn't. Yeah. I always like the I always like the Sorrells because they are <clears throat> slippers inside of boots. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when you take the boots off, you still have slippers. And as a kid growing up, there was nothing cooler than coming in from sledding. And taking the Sorrells off, but then still having the uh, the felt lining. Yeah, I love that. Oh, it's so cool until they get soaking wet. But yeah. Yeah. have you seen those Sorrells they have that go over your shoes? It looks yes. just just like your boot. Oh, really? They're but they're, they're yeah. yeah, they're extra big, so you can be wearing a normal shoe. Like if you work in in, in an office or something, right. or you're but, a tradesman, so yeah, you're going into people's houses. Oh, you're like a, that's cool. Uh, a plumber. A heating you can guy. take the you outer shoe off. You know what those are called? Galoshes. Galoshes. No, these <laughs> things are like. Uh, it looks like a, a big ass. So they're insulated. Boot. No, they're not. It's, it's like a big. It's a big like a uh, nylon a quarter of nylon like <laughs> overshoe. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Think like army like overboots. Oh, in the army we have the rubber overboots. But this yeah. is just made on nylon. Okay. With a rubber sole on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to like a heavy duty like galoshes. Oh. I was gonna say <laughs> no. Shut up. <laughs> there's, there's companies that make this stuff for for motorcycle gear. It's like a rainproof yeah, overboot. A cover. Yeah, an overboot. It's, it's very similar to that, but yeah. a little. They probably bit call more. them galoshes. <laughs> if they're not calling them galoshes, they should be. We are. I, I had a pair of them. It was nice because you could put your tennis shoes on or whatever. Yeah, you could put your shoes. Right yeah, you trudge through the snow. You go, go out and shovel the snow. You come in, you take the overboot off, and yeah. you're, you're wearing your tennis shoes in the house. Right? Yeah, yeah. You My problem is just the, I like the I like the BTU factor of having the the liner because I hated I the Mickey too. Mouse boot, boots in the army. I would <laughs> never wear those things. But uh, the Sorrells have always been like the right thing. I don't it's know. like boiled wool or boiled felt or mm-hmm. something. Some yeah, I was, I used to hit them with Camp Dry. The uh, I wear mucks. Yeah. 
Yeah. And they work well, but yeah. the one set of mucks is the wrong uh, lugs for the winter. So they're, they're, they're slippery. Right? They're slippery lugs? Yeah. Oh, they're really? Not, like, they're not lugs. They're like... Yeah. Ribbed, or yeah. Something. They're the chain pattern on yeah. the bottom that doesn't work. Yeah. Pleasure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they are definitely not snow rated. So if I, I wear those in shorts, thing. Mm-hmm. the only thing that sticks out is about a half inch of my knee. <laughs> it is. Uh, we we definitely have got uh, we we got the weather, and there, there's no doubt we got the weather. 19 degrees when I was driving over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Wow. It was 60. Then it went down to. I know. Down to nine. Yeah. When I did the. The load into the motorcycle show was 60 degrees. That's what I was about to say. Last yeah. weekend. Yeah. yeah. 60 degrees during the load-in on Saturday, on Friday night. And uh, I went out and didn't even bother putting a jacket on to go on my dinner run for the motorcycle show because it was springtime weather out there. <clears throat> and then by Sunday for load-out, it was 26 degrees. And then the next day, colder still. So, yeah, yeah it's amazing how fast it changes this year. In particular, has been ridiculous ups and downs. <laughs> to all the people that listen to this that don't live in Ohio, yeah. this is normal for us. Yeah, it's just called Ohio weather. We just haven't had the consistent, uh, the cold that that I'm. I remember as being a younger person. But you know, we had a ten day, yep. fourteen day hard mm-hmm. couple of weeks that yep. were real cold. So yeah, we're getting getting blast and release, blast and relief. Yeah, um, that kind of deal. It's it's. It's interesting to say the least. Like Steve in the mornings, blast and relief. Blast, blast and relief. And blast and relief. That's like the old joke goes. Oh, you don't don't like the weather in Cleveland? Just wait a minute. It'll change. The uh, talking about the we talked about our our raffle bike, so you can win the raffle bike <coughs> for twenty bucks. Um, that's going to be yes, Chris. You can buy a ticket. Yep, or Absolutely. you can buy ten tickets. You might already well, have done. You can buy two hundred and fifty tickets guy. for a five thousand dollars investment. You have right. a fifty-fifty chance of exactly. winning Exactly. Yes. Yeah. For five grand, it could be five. It could be parked in your garage, or you could be out five grand. Yeah. But the odds are definitely in your favor. The uh, how you do it, how you how you do this is just go to PayPal, ClevelandMoto at gmail.com. That's our PayPal address. It's the same thing as our email address. It's very easy to remember. Go to clevelandmoto at gmail.com on your PayPal. So log into PayPal, step one. Step two, send $20 in the form of a gift for friends and family. You're not buying goods and services, or they will decrease the, the value of the donation. Yeah. And you send it as friends and family. Which and, voids your... Where's your ticket? Yeah. <laughs> because now you're short paid. <laughs> well, the real thing is, at this point in the operation, the penalty for clicking the wrong button on Facebook, or I'm sorry, on PayPal, is that we're not going to get the 20 bucks. We're going to get 5% less than that. Yeah. And Which is $19. Right. And See how fancy did Here's for he, you right. math well. And you're going to prove how stupid you are, that you can't follow simple instruction. Don't be that guy. Don't be that fucking guy. Just try let, not to Let be me guy. be that guy. Right. Yeah. You know, the rest of you guys don't have to. Uh, we did have the I first... I would definitely fuck this up because I'm just going to pay it in cash. We did have the first guy show up today and give us cash, which we were completely not prepared for. So uh, <laughs> we're gonna, we, have to buy a, we have to buy a slew of tickets. So we're going to buy a slew of tickets and actually write the names on the tickets. That's how we're going to do it. All the tickets will be the same. So when we pull the ticket, if you buy, if you buy a PayPal ticket, your PayPal ticket, is your information off your PayPal is going to go onto the ticket. That's how we pull it. Handwritten? Handwritten. Yep. Mm. Is there going to be a hopper? Yes, there'll be a hopper. Yep. In years right. past, we have had and, and a hopper. And, and will the hopper tumble? <laughs> uh, I think I we think have one of those. Should turn the hopper. Well, we do have a tumbling hopper. 
So if people are into it, we have a, a gilded. Well, it's brass. It's gilded. It's a. We have a brass uh, hopper. So don't think this is some. Oh, it's not know, some shady yeah, fly-by-night operation. Shit deal here. Right. Yeah. They have hoppers. Right. And handwritten we have, tickets. We have handwritten a professional ticket. One of those ones that says ticket on the one side, <laughs> and, and on the other side and it I, says you're not winning. It says keep this coupon. No, it's uh, on the other side. We're going to put your information on there. But we've done raffles before. This is our. This is not our first rodeo. Um, and they usually, it's it's pretty interesting. I know years ago we did a raffle for a vintage motor scooter, and the person who won the vintage motor scooter died. Had not six weeks prior to that had their scooter stolen. Really? Yeah. Well, it worked out. So it worked out pretty well for them. And they bought they bought like six or seven tickets, so they had increased their chances a little bit. But, uh, but those are hundred dollar tickets. No, those were twenty bucks as well. Somebody has to win. You can't win if you don't play. Yeah, and. We should add too, though, that the winner, mm-hmm. no matter where you live, yeah. is responsible for getting the bike to them. Yes, it is. Yeah, and that yeah. is that is detailed in the the thing. We are not responsible for the transportation of the bike. We are not responsible for whatever your taxes might be, unless they want to pay you to do it. And then, well, yeah, all right, right. Yeah, for, for expenses <laughs> for a plane ticket. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were jo- we were joking that um, you know there will be a few extra misfits in town mm-hmm. at the <clears throat> AMA Vintage Days event. And that they so one of the guys was like, well, you know, I buy some tickets, but that means uh, you'll have to deliver it to Arizona. And I said, well, we have misfits that will be traveling that direction. I'm sure for the cost of, you know, beer money, they'd probably be happy to ride back with Liza and, you know, ride. Is Liza riding here? Liza's riding here. She's doing a big ride. Uh, I think she's gonna. I'm not sure if she's buying a BMW or if she's gonna take her her Duke, her KTM. Uh, oh, she's got a Duke. Yeah, she does. Nice. Yeah, and uh, of buying a BMW. Well, yeah, that's a that's a, a good segue. I was going to say, what at the motorcycle show would you have bought? You know, since last week we were all at the motorcycle show. I'll tell you what I would have. What bought. What would you have bought? <laughs> well, Pete, it's funny. This is Pete. I'm a BMW brand ambassador, self-appointed. <laughs> <laughs> no actual official official BMW affiliation. <laughs> but uh, I would have bought a 2017 F800 GS Adventure. Oh, you okay? So I was confused. I thought you bought a 1200. No, I bought the well, 800. GSA, right? The 800. The one he rode in GSA. South America, and it's fucking fantastic. You would buy one? I did. <laughs> I <bought one>. okay. <laughs> it was so, big, <clears> I, I, I couldn't afford in there. I would buy. I one. couldn't afford not to buy it. I could, so I have a question for you because we did see, and I think Dustin and I were looking at the F the eight fifty. That's the new one. It's That's the out new this one. Year. This yeah. year it's coming out in May. It's not been and it had. It's the, been formally announced with the pricing. Yeah. and they've not been delivered. Or it had the most interesting expandable hard bags I'd ever seen. There's a lever inside. That when you shift the lever, the bag becomes twenty five percent larger. That's an old design. They've, it is. They've, they've had that on the twelve hundred for a couple of years. I like and actually, it. I think I had that on my six fifty. I like back it. Back to two thousand and one. Yeah, it was yeah. cool. They're all well. I thought it looked neat. The magic lever. It's an interesting it design. It's all, but it's all made of plastic. <laughs> yes, it is. It's all a little plastic. bit susceptible to yeah. fall over damage. And, is it okay? But, yeah, yeah. Because they looked. It appeared to be pelican case level of plastic. The the. I cannot say if it was or it wasn't. It was I, definitely I, a glass fiber reinforced mm-hmm. plastic, so it had a, a nice strength to it. Uh, I mean, all plastic is susceptible yeah. to damage on a tip over, but 
it ranked in at a much higher number than the plastic bags on the Africa Twin. Yeah. <laughs> which I'm Steve. Gonna, which I'm convinced the plastic bags on the Africa Twin which are made just... out of, like, Power Wheels reject plastic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. the finish on those Power bags was fantastic. It actually approximated aluminum when you look oh, at it. If you were trying to fool people into thinking that it was aluminum. But if you had your aluminum magnet with you, it would not have stuck to it. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that. <clears throat> so did what you know? dealer did you go through? There's um, your MRI machine. Yeah, that's right. I bought the BMW through BMW Motorcycles of Cleveland, which is in Aurora. Yeah, BMOC Aurora. He's been open since 2005, I mm-hmm. believe. I bought my last bike from him also, which was a 2006 1150 mm-hmm. GSA. Mm-hmm. But uh, between the deals that BMW was offering, yeah. I was able to negotiate a slightly better deal through the dealer. Sure. And then take the money off that BMW was offering. Yeah. I couldn't afford not to buy it. I really could I agree. I mean, that's where the market is right now. The market is that on new unit sales, every brand I can think of is fucking in the bathroom, slitting their wrists. So they are doing anything they can to get you to take a, a, a new bike, especially uh, hanging around 17. Uh, hanging around 17 when there's a redesigned 18 coming that's out. That's exactly it. Nothing makes that 17 look worse than the 850. And the the 800, which is the previous generation, the one I bought, yeah. is a parallel twin. Yeah. The 850 that's coming out is a V-twin. Is it so, really? Yeah. <coughs> it yep. is? Yep, yep, yep. Holy they're, they're shit. So you got the boxer. No, 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 no you're parallel. You're parallel okay. twin. Parallel, yep. Mm-hmm. So who's making that V-twin? But I don't, I don't know. Polaris. I don't know Kim making it. Probably made in China. I, I, oh, yeah. I, I, I have no knowledge as to where it's made, but I had no I had no idea it was a V twin. We, we were looking at the bags, and this is not the bike and we, that and this is not the bike that you rode the the eight fifty V twin, the eight hundred, which is the one I bought. Right, is the bike that I rode in South America South Africa two years ago. Oh, okay. And I, oh, and I also rode it in South Africa this past fall, six months. So you ago. know the platform. It's the broken finger so, bike. Yeah, exactly. But the way I look at it is, I had a two-week extended test drive on it. A year later, I had a three-week extended test ride on it. Sure. And I said, this is a bike for me. Yeah. I put put a lot of miles on it in those five weeks, and I said, that's... I know this is what I want. This is where I should be, and made the deal. I rode a... Congratulations. Thank you. I rode an Interceptor through the Alps. I came home. I bought an Interceptor. And, you know, it took me five years to do it. I had to wait for the prices to go down. I had to wait for <laughs> a used one to cycle through the market that I could afford. But have, having a positive experience on a motorcycle yeah. will definitely lead to a future, a future purchase. And people, manufacturers, should be aware of that. So Steve, or, uh, Pete is out at the, the IX Center and mm-hmm. buys a bike. Yeah. How many bikes, because we were kind of chit-chatting about this, how many bikes do you think... Or deals were done at the IX Center. I would think it'd be tremendously low. But what do, what do you guys think? So we have a little bit of we have a little bit of numbers on that. You're not legally a dealership's not legally allowed to close a sale at the IX Center. They can only close deals on their dealer licensed addressed property. Oh. If you close a deal at the IX Center, <coughs> you're in violation of Ohio dealer law. Okay. And there used to be. Enforcement. There used to be a division of the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, Dealer Licensing Division, 
there were some guys that would go out there and they would catch the not so much like BMW, but they would catch the guys like State Eight that had a booth out there with thirty six motorcycles in it. Used ones, yeah. And they got a table sitting out, and you know that table's there for closing deals. There's yeah. no reason to have that little card table in there. And they ain't just there to show these bikes off. They've got prices on the handlebars right down to the financing. And these guys would go out and they would look for evidence that these dealers were writing contracts, closing deals at the show. Because, you know, it's strange, but it goes back to some really weird old blue laws about motorcycle car dealerships weren't allowed to be open on a Sunday. Um to be fair to customers, they didn't want you to be in a position buying a bike or a car where you were being leveraged, mm. you know, being being coerced into signing on something when you didn't have the opportunity to be fully aware that you were making a purchase. And so to defend against that state, and it's not just Ohio, many states do the same thing, they want to make sure that you don't say that you were tricked into buying something. Well... I can only sell you a motor vehicle if I'm in my motor vehicle licensed place of business. Are you allowed to take a down payment? Well, you can do a number of things. You can do a number of things. And we've seen... I knew, I knew a guy who took a down payment a number of years ago. Absolutely. And you do that. You take some earnest money. You take a down payment. You get their contact information. You close the deal back at the shop on Monday. You know, that kind of thing. I wonder if it's because there's alcohol there, too. Mm, that, you no, know what? That's that. an interesting thing. There's but no alcohol there. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. No, you're that right. You might, you might make a, right. a, I made some yeah. bad decisions after yeah. drinking. You're absolutely right, and there are there are prohibitions against having <laughs> a lot of vehicles after drinking. Yeah. There are a lot of prohibitions against <laughs> having alcohol in a motor vehicle dealership, serving alcohol in a motor vehicle dealership, because of that exact thing. They want to make sure that you're clear headed and fully aware of the position of the the purchase you're making, and that you're not being coerced into it in any way. So it has to take <clears> place at the dealership, but. So circling back to the That being question. said, yeah. I talked to um, one of the guys that I know that was there with uh, an aftermarket, with a used motorcycle group that had a large display of bikes there. And I have talked to him in years past. And the one year I talked to him, they'd turned, they'd closed, a, they'd, they'd sold or had commitments to buy uh, about 14 bikes. Nice. Uh, let's talk about Nice. Uh, this year they did three. Okay. Ouch. Now, here's what I'm going to remind you guys of is that every single booth space, every 10 by 10 cost $1,250. Their booth, <clears throat> so their booth was over 10 spaces. So you got to figure just for the shits and giggles, that booth's going to cost them at least 10 grand plus their manpower to run it and set it up and everything <clears throat> else. So... You can't tell me that you sold three bikes and covered your nut. You're losing. And you're losing by being there. And that's why 10 years ago, there were six of those dealers there. There were six used bikes or new bike shop with used inventory promoting their used inventory, helping get rid of their used inventory at that show. It was in their best interest to spend the money, 1250 bucks for a 10 by 10 area, to sell these bikes. That's gone down. This year, there was only one company representing used motorcycles in the show. One guy. So will that law, that blue law, be changed, do you think? Is there no, any, is it'll there be there any, forever. Yeah. So that really doesn't help the whole no. purpose of the show is to move bikes? And no, the purpose people? of the show is to get your, whatever the ticket price was, 
13 bucks, 18 bucks, whatever it was. The purpose of the show is to get your 18 bucks and $10 parking on top of it. The purpose of the show and is $10 to $10 per beer and $6 say, per slice of pizza. Selling a $6 slice of pizza and a $10 <clears throat> beer is the purpose of the show. No. Plus, the purpose of the show is each one of those vendors spending $1,250 for every 10 by 10 that's well, the purpose of the show. I think it breaks the monotony of winter. It does. So really For I'm us, that's what you're right. right. But you're not going to get Honda, Suzuki, yep. Harley, all the major dealers right. to throw all that money. And they're doing mm-hmm. 10 times a 10 by 10. Yes, they are. Or more. Yeah. Well, and they're signing up for the tour. Right. Well, they're taking right. their semi-trucks from city to city to yep. city, and they're so, paying that money everywhere they go. So yep. they're just showing off their gleaming... Bobbles and that's about mm-hmm. it with no expectations. No, with Harley Davidson in particular, with Harley, um, when you commit to doing the whole show circuit, you're going to get a you're going to get a better price, obviously, because you're doing you're the whole get show. a substantial discount for because, doing the whole circuit. Well, there's only seven shows now. That's there right. Used there used like, to be eighteen. Okay, there used right. to be eighteen shows. Now there's seven. There also used to be every fucking brand was there. You notice that there was no Moto Guzzi, no Piaggio, no uh, Triumph. Triumph, no M, no. Uh, uh, you got the big Ducati. four. Ducati's the big, not there. You got right. your big four Japanese. Yep. You got Harley, Indian. Yep. You were always there. BMW. You all had a minor presence. Mm-hmm. Hey, Royal uh, Enfield was there. Royal Enfield was there. <laughs> exactly. Yep. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can, can we circle back to one thing? Sure. Go ahead. So Pete was talking about how you rode a bike. <laughs> yeah. And wanted Isn't to buy it. it. Mm-hmm. But conversely. You could ride a bike and know you don't want to ride. Damn straight. Because I, I always wanted an in, uh, Indian slash victory. Yeah. So my buddy had one, and I rode it yeah. for a while. And we swapped bikes, and we rode. Yeah. And then I rode in my American, and I decided that it just wasn't. It's not the bike for you. I don't really like it. Yep. I mean, it's, a lot of people love them, and right. I have nothing against Indian. And I think they're great bikes, but, yeah. but it's just not a bike for me. Yeah. But it's the same way with a lot of people. They ride a bike, and yeah. they just. Don't want it, and you see it here too. I mean, oh, yeah. People come, they go for a test ride, and it's like they want something different. Hmm. Yeah, so. like a PC eight hundred, like a PC eight hundred, right? Yeah, no shit. Here's here's Johnny Chrome sitting in the sitting in the pool of PC eight hundred worship. <laughs> Should have borrowed one of ours for a week, huh? No, that's fine. I mean, I because I'm pretty sure it was the ride home that you decided that was the right bike for you. I think I'm okay at being into it for what I'm into. Oh no, you're you own it right. I mean, so so you don't like it? No, I don't. Well, tell me why you don't. Because I don't fit on it. Okay. My my knees my knees are into the plastic, and the seat doesn't move, and the the plastic don't move, and it's unyielding. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. Yeah. No, it's cut to a shape. Yeah. It's cut to a shape. You either fit in it or you don't. Yeah. Well, whatever. Steve, I mean, do you yeah. fit in yours? It's a little bit short. I would say that the peg to seat distance is a little bit too short. But mm-hmm. for, I mean, I don't use it for. I use it to go as a commuter. So yeah, it's not I a, use mine as a computer, a commuter bike. I, the it definitely. You're, you're you're a taller guy. Yeah. Are you, yeah. Are, yeah. Are you guys the same height, Johnny? And I'm six one with thirty four inch inseam. Mm-hmm. I have so, thirty inch inseam. Yeah. But to me, so it's you still, should fit better. I yeah. fit. I mean, it's not totally uncomfortable, yeah. but I find it that I find that my knees are up. That they're mm-hmm. just not the pegs aren't down low enough right. for me. Right. But that's just the way I like to ride. I, I will. Be, so my thing is, I'm a very bad judge of this. Um, uh, if we're sitting in the car together and we're driving cross country, do not expect me to change the heater controls. 
I will forget that a car has a heater. <laughs> I'll forget that it has an air conditioner. I am known to suffer just because of lack. Remember, I drove a tank for years. I, I can put up with the noisiest, rattliest, hinkiest, painfulest, whatever riding position for way too long. And I do. And I will ride bikes and swear that they're fantastic. And other people get on it and go like, doesn't this hurt your knees or your back or your shoulders? I'm like, that's no, fine. It's cool. It's all right. all do, so. yeah, it's fine. It's cool. <coughs> I yield to the machine. Hours, it's going to hurt. I don't I, care what bike you're yeah, riding. I yield to like, the machine. It's fine. And, okay. you know, I've also ridden scooters across America. You know, that are that's a band name right there. Yield to the machine. Yield to the machine. Yeah. <laughs> Don't rage against it. Yield to yield it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yield the machine. Uh, so Pete, how we doing? Pete's uh, gonna die of sneezing. No, he's, got, he's got forty-two sneezes in so mm-hmm. far. Sorry. Whatever's got him's got him good. Yeah. The, uh, but yeah, they think that. I've always liked the PC-800. I've, I've never had a problem with it. Oh, here we go again with the PC-800. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're allergic to. Yeah. I have nothing. I don't find anything wrong with it either, yeah. but I'm just saying it's not a bike yeah. that I would use as my go-to-California bike. Right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I just like you said with the. So victory. you wouldn't take it to the Pacific Coast. <laughs> <laughs> the anywhere but the Pacific yeah. Coast eight hundred. Maybe yeah. the East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. East Coast eight hundred. Yeah. That's why it's a good idea to, to date to date before you marry. Always date before oh, you marry. The, yeah. the EC was a EC six fifty mm. actually. Just drive right before you buy. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, and that is a, there's a big. I mean, that's that's obviously a, a huge thing. I'm I was very surprised when he said that you'd bought the bike. Yeah. When he said that, <clears> guess what? He just he just. Straight up went out and bought a BMW at the show. I was like, "Fucking <clears throat> awesome, man!" And that's and that's how it should be. We've we have done some dealing at the show. We've sold some bikes at the show, and it's always exciting. It, it, but it, you didn't close the deal, until right? I mean, we're all aware that the, the semantics right. of it, right? right? right. We're right. all aware of the semantics of it. You know, I. I no, the bartender gave me a free beer. No, fucking don't ever say that. That's a felony, right? The bar could lose their license for that shit. But we all they understand. pay for every free beer they give you, right. just so you know. There's no such thing as a free beer. But anybody need it? Yeah, whatever you want to pull out for me. But yeah, this is where. Right. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll take hey, whatever you whip out. The, uh, now we're in the same sweater. Yeah, right. Uh, however, I'm there's something. Christmas card. The show becomes the show becomes more exciting. When there's the actual possibility of buying something, the show becomes more exciting when there's the actual possibility of selling something. And we were there with, you know, just shy of 20 vintage motorcycles. And the problem when you're there with 20 vintage motorcycles and that you're constantly telling people, they wouldn't let us put a sign up that said for sale. Johnny Chrome had made up awesome signs that was the vintage advertisement for the bike. Mm hmm. So cool, great, yeah. Pete, so thank you. He had made up these vintage. He'd copied on eight and by eleven the vintage advertisement on the back. Had made a spec sheet for every bike, all twenty bikes that we had in the booth. So we had twenty units there, and they had these really cool things. And immediately, management at the show came back and collected them and deposited them on our table and said, "You're not allowed to have these on there. You're not allowed to have a spec sheet that says what the bike is." You're not allowed to have this, you know, it's it's literally an A-frame, a little tent. Mm-hmm. One side with the vintage, the, the actual advertisement for the bike, a vintage advertisement for the bike, and on the other side, the specs for the bike. There was nothing tacky about the way these were done. They were not done in crayon. They were not done, you know, shitty. They were very nice and very 
cool. And they said, no, our policy is nothing in the booth except what we give you, which is that little printed out thing that when you gave me the information about your bike, it says, you know, this is a, you know, this is a, uh, a 305 uh, Superhawk. Superhawk, and it, 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 it's this, right? That's all they want. They, And by the way, there was a 25 or 40 word limit to what information we could put on that sheet. But what about those LCD screens with all the specs for all the bikes? That's not in the we're giving you $8,000 worth of booth space for free. <coughs> if you're spending $8,000, you can have a dick-shaped flyer, right? <laughs> you know? And, your... and, and she was out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, they gave right. us uh, those right. passes to the strip club. Under, I think her name was Dick Shape Flyer. flyer. <laughs> yeah, um, they must have been putting them on the bikes too. Yeah, yeah they were. Because I rode out. Yeah, and one and I didn't even talk to those two girls. Mm-hmm. And I was riding down like I left the yeah. IX center and one flopped. Oh up really? Because ah. I must not have seen it. They must have stuffed it in the seat. I, uh, the seat or they something. did not send their A game for that. What do you mean? Just saying. No, I thought true, they were like too. fourteen. I immediately thought they were underage. Yeah. Um, I did not want to engage them in conversation or look directly <clears throat> into their cleavage. I thought that it was a trap. Now, <laughs> now, now, and Michael Fresh did. Yeah. Well, I know that Larry Nasser was over there. Yeah. Uh, Michael Fresh did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. All right. Exactly. At least Phil put yeah. I got the reference. Yeah. Yeah. The, Nasser, Larry, yeah. the Larry Nasser yeah. reference? Yeah. I missed it. He almost got his ass yeah. kicked today. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> The, but by so, the father of one of his victims. Yeah, he said, yeah. "Give me three minutes alone in a room with him, <laughs> and, then, and then give me one." And she said, "No, I can't do it." And she charged him. Wow. Anyhow, go go ahead. So we yeah. digress. What's the news segment? Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> and, and that's the news, <laughs> Phil. My thing was okay. So my my deal with the show was, <laughs> and have a better day tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> I had fifty people all tell me that they were going to come back to our booth. And buy which one motorcycle? Well, you guys saw the booth. You were there. Which bike did 50 different people tell me that they were going to go and get money and come back and purchase? The CB750 that was not for sale? Nope. Oh. No? No, not that. You mean Sparky's bike? Sparky's brother's bike? That white one? No, the blue one that was behind... Uh... Oh, I mean, they're all for fucking sale, oh, okay. except for Sparky's bike. Because everybody yeah. asked me, every time I sat down yeah. there, they come up and talk to me like I knew shit. Yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, so that's the one that's not for sale. No, huh? they're all for I'm sale. I'm like, for I sale. don't I a t-shirt, though. Yeah, whatever, yeah. <laughs> I did sell a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's fine. But which bike, of the bikes that were there, does anybody have a gander or guess at what bike do you think got more people coming over to me and saying, fuck Oh my God, that's amazing! The seventy-three Honda CB four fifty cafe. No, it was the nineteen sixty-six Honda Dream. The nineteen sixty-six Honda Dream, red on red on red on red on red. Any color you like, as long as it's red. All original. Yep. I mean, it is. To give you an like, as soon as I had the bikes lined up and out of the trailer, uh, <clears> when <throat> the girl, uh, when Ashley came over from, and by the way, she's Wayne Rainey's uh, Ashley, who Ashley Hyde who was the director of uh, the vintage displays for the uh, International Motorcycle Shows, Ashley, who was organizing everything, in a previous job, she was the fucking Wayne Rainey's manager. No shit. No shit. And if you don't know who that is, listen to the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast from a couple of weeks ago. Well, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into this. Right. <laughs> uh, last week, the Misfits had an interview with Wayne Rainey, Wayne Rainey at the Talbot Motorcycle Museum. So apparently he hangs out there. So she was his manager. It's fucking cool, man. But she was in charge of the, the booth, and she said, we need to have one of your bikes for the premiere spot, for the, like, the, the premiere display. I said, that's fine, featured bike. I'm like, well, there's 18 bikes, Ashley. Take your fucking pick. Don't let me tell you which one's going to be the featured bike. Lady's choice. She walked past the perfectly restored Norton Commando Interstate. You know, <clears throat> She walked past all the other gorgeous bikes, and she said, that one. And so that's the one we put right at the end where people could see it. And sure as shit, if you want to know what bike out of the 20 that we took got the attention, it was the red Honda Dream. And I'm going to say, if if I had a dollar for every saggy old white man that told me how that was the first bike he ever you know sat on, owned, got a handy on or whatever, I'd you be a wealthy man. I, I, well, No, but I had... <laughs> It got so bad that Saturday night, Saturday night after, you know. You were passing out handies just for the box. Oh, my God, man. I had a woman come over to me and say, Who's, who owns that bike over there? My husband would like to buy it. I would have said your husband owns it. Get, bring your checkbook over. That's right. <laughs> and so you had my attention at would like to buy it, and I walked over there. And, you know, I'm going to tell you guys a life lesson. Have you guys ever seen the leather the leather jacket that was popular in about yes. 1994 that says USA on it. Oh, no. And it's oh, got yeah. red, white, and blue shit. And it's like a bomberish kind of jacket. It, w- it was for the 84 Olympics. Really? Because so. I've seen them with every different country. Because that, that was the LA Olympics. It could have been. <clears throat> yeah. Anyhow. That's but, when I remember seeing the yeah, jacket. Yeah, but okay. So I like Denmark sweaters, though. It's the, it's the 1992 <clears throat> equivalent of a members-only jacket. But it says USA on it, red, white, and blue flag. He had on a Indian Motorcycle Company hat, like one of those you know Brando caps or whatever, but it's an Indian Motorcycle Company, and had a Harley Davidson uh, hoodie on, right? So he's got this. Do you have a ball gag? Circa '92 vanilla. <laughs> uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's a Circle '92 vanilla ice jacket, right? Circa '92. Uh, and I should have just immediately looked at that guy and just walked the fuck away, right? But here he is, and I walked up to him, and I said, hey, how you doing? I said, uh, yeah, I own that bike. Is it for sale? Yes, it is. It's for sale. I said, it's $3,500. It's a 1966 Honda Dream. It runs. It runs great. It's got a new fuel tap put in it. John Mecklefresh did all the work. It's a great bike. Start it up. <laughs> well, first of all, we're not supposed to start any vehicles in case you in haven't here. noticed, we are in of doors. I said, and we're not allowed to have any gas in the bikes. So that's not my fault. Fire department says no gas in the bikes. These bastards. I don't give a fuck. Start it up. Dude, I don't even have the keys in this building. Fuck you. I'm trying to buy it. Start oh, it up. And I said. <laughs> Take your fucking jacket and get out of here. And I said, nah. Jeez. He goes, what how much is it? And I said, it's, it's $3,500. And he says, no, no. I'm telling you how much it is. You're not <laughs> telling me how much it is. And I said, dude, come on. That's not the way this works. I've been in business for 18 years. I'm allowed to set my own prices. And he he immediately is one of those guys that got like two inches off my nose yeah, and got right up in my face. And I said, oh, I'm a dealer. I've been doing this for a long time. $3,500 is more than fair. 
If you're sitting at this table, you know that it's more than fair. Well, it is. For a title mm-hmm. running historical 1966 motorcycle that's literally at what I call Chinese scooter prices. Um, and he, he just started with, he's like, he says, well, I was born in 66. That was a bad year. So I'm 51 <laughs> years old. And I looked at him, I said, you've heard my resume, that's yours? And he goes, fucking, you can't tell me shit. I know about that fucking bike. I said, well, it's $3,500. Here's my card. Come and visit us at the shop when you haven't been drinking. Yeah. We'll start it up for you. Right. We'll be happy to entertain we'll everything. Your check clears. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, when your check, clears, <coughs> your check clears, I'll de-winterize it and yeah. start it for you. But I didn't say that. I wasn't being an on that. And then he got closer to me and he jabbed me in the, my chest with his fingers. Really? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, that's when shit got Saturday? weird. Saturday? Saturday night. Yeah, shit got weird at that point. So, yep. Hmm. So, it's probably start throwing punches. No, uh, I, I just, I, I, I hope that he got my message. Well, he got my message, and he got escorted out by security and the whole game. So, oh, yeah. Nice. Hey, but cool. yeah, but there are people that go there it. because it's a motorcycle event, and they dress up in their motorcycle costume, <laughs> and they bring their motorcycle girlfriend, and they get to pretend to be a big bang baller in the motorcycle world. The costume girlfriend. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're inflated date. And oh, it's the best place to play date or daughter. Date or daughter is very the date or daughter's game is strong in that building. But yeah, he was really but that's the problem is they serve alcohol there. To idiots will spend nine dollars a cup for it. Ten. 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 Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> no, I bought one. We know who the idiots are. <laughs> I, bought, I bought one to get the cup. I was going to say, the rest. somebody buy me one. It was a $10 cup. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I had I knuckle first. I like the workaround on that, but I'm not going to tell you the workaround on that. <laughs> <laughs> tell you the workaround on that. No, wait a second. I brought a vacation beer. Right, yeah. I found the beer vendor. Right. The guy in the... Uh, golf cart comes around and drops off the beer cups. Right. Well, I followed him around. I right. Opened up the case. Oh. Took out a couple. Yeah. Cups. I'm like poured my beer into his cup. Right. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, a workaround. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My workaround was I just went up to the beer vendor, went up to the beer stall, and said, "Cracked my cup. Give me another cup, quick." And the guy was like, "Shit!" And he gave me a cup, just like that. Clever. And I ran away. <laughs> I ran away. <laughs> I ran away with my ten dollar cup. And then well, I went over my... to the bridal show and mm. pushed a chick down and mm. grabbed her cup out of her hand. Mm. <laughs> Was it a B cup or a C? <laughs> I just grabbed a cup out of the yeah. trash. I'll admit it. The... Yeah. <laughs> Look clean enough. Right. Shake it out. I checked. It didn't smell like herpes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it was, I mean, that motorcycle show is really funny because people feel strongly about it. I've had people email me and, and say, oh, it was the worst motorcycle show ever. It was horrible. It was bad. It was fucking fine. They get to see the cool shit. Sure. Got to see the bikes that are there. It's a show. Yeah, it is. The majors it is. do a good job, I think. Yeah, they of Showing do. off their products. Yep, they do. And it is smaller, but there's less people selling dream catchers. Yes. And yeah. Yeah, leather yeah. bodices and your uh, your famous uh, ball gag and whatnot. So uh, <laughs> well, they tens units and they clean your glasses. And yeah. Shine oh, your shoes. Yeah. Oh. And, and <clears throat> you know who wasn't there? Was there last year? Was the uh, was the dermatologist slash uh, plastic surgeon that was doing tattoo removals? Remember, you had those uh, yes. five what wrong looking women standing right. there. Yeah. To talk My about favorite is the bracelet guy. 
Put your arm up like this. Now I can push you over. Oh, that's Put some this yeah. bracelet. That's some bracelet on. Now I can't push you over. What is that case? Richard Dawkins or David? Uh, there's a there's not a, Richard Dawkins. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the guy's name, but there's a the guy that does. There's a guy that does spiritual <laughs> shit. Stephen Hawking. Oh. There's a guy that does <laughs> spiritual type energy power balancing shit. He's one of those snake oil salesmen that has millions and millions of billions of followers that give him money. So that, and he tests your energy level by putting your arm out, and then he's like, "Well, okay, well, this shows how much negative energy you're carrying. It's just spiritual, ho- you know." Horse- he does it to women; they put their arms out. And yeah. he, he plays tune in Tokyo, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to let out some negative energy here. Right. Oh, oh hey, uh, other way, the other way. Yeah, the uh, I was like walking down the street, and there was like a, a guy like polishing the bottom of a, like beer cans with like aluminum polish or something. He's like, hey, I uh, can polish any kind of aluminum. And I just told him, I just polished all my beer cans before I got here tonight. You know? <laughs> and now I'm working on polishing them off. Yeah, right. right. Mm-hmm. But I, I got to say that the beer cans that he had there were polished to like a mirror shine. So I, I don't know if it was snake oil or if it's anything I needed or anything, but... Uh, no. David Hawkins is the name of the person that we're uh. referencing. The Scales of Enlightenment. David mm. Hawkins. Uh, well, we got that cleared up. Well, while I was, while I've been a captive audience at the fucking motorcycle show for three days, <laughs> and didn't want to be in a booth entertaining every <clears throat> fucking story that I, you know, I had a thing of chrome polish. Actually, I had Colonel Brassy. For the record, and I had a thing of Colonel Brassy, and I had my, you know, my God-given digits here, and uh, I was cleaning the bikes. So, like, I had my my blue Superhawk hadn't seen the light of day in ten years, so I'm cleaning all the the alloy, cleaning all the, the aluminum and pot metal and shit on the bike, cleaning my black bomber. I'm there anyway, for fuck's sake. I might as well be out among the bikes, and then this way, when people have stupid questions, I'm in a local close range; they can ask them. And if I see somebody pause by any bike for more than a nanosecond, I can say, you're aware that's for sale, right? This whole row's for sale. And then you can, you know, separate the weed from the chafe without having a big for sale sign on your back. Um, We're going to fix that in future shows by having a T-shirt that says, this bike is for sale. It's all for sale. Right. Yeah, this bike is for sale. And if you're not sitting on a bike, that'll encourage them to ask you, well, which bike's for sale? Being Mr. Clever and then being Mr. I got an answer for everything, say all of them. Yeah, because these are all mine. So I'm polishing, and I've had more people come up to me during the goddamn show thinking that I was demonstrating a product. (laughs) I'm going to guess I could have sold, I could have easily sold 20 (laughs) bottles of Colonel Brassy. Because everybody was like, that shit works. Colonel Brassy? Top salesman at at the show. Well, if your if your beard is gray. And you've been listening to this podcast since before we started, and you know we're full of shit. You already know the story about Colonel Brassy because you've already bought some. Colonel Brassy is a product that is not unlike Amway in the way that it's distributed. You don't go out and buy Colonel Brassy. Colonel Brassy shows up at the motorcycle shop you work at. It comes to you. Yes, it does. (laughs) Colonel Brassy comes in a white bottle that can be best described as using for horse marital device lubricant <laughs> right there is nothing good comes out of a bottle that looks like this okay. <laughs> yeah it's a big white squeezy bottle and what colonel brassy is is just pumice it's just 
super duper crazy mega fine pumice in a water solution. If you don't shake your kernel brassy, the the, the kernel brassy will all go to the bottom. Yes. Oh, I shake my kernel brassy. Oh, right. yeah. Well, kernel brassy has got a ambiguously you, you need to polish racist your chrome, right? logo. <laughs> uh, we're gonna see here. Oh, but for twenty bucks a bottle, I could have sold all. And so everyone a, hears a, that. A brief interlude here, <laughs> and our Bill steps away at this. This is where Dustin comes in with his dulcet tones. And Phil returns. If you feel this bottle, I'm going to pass it around. Don't shake it. If you feel the bottle, you'll feel that all the sand, all the product's in the bottom. This is Colonel Brassy. Oh, see, that's what happens to me. My, it's my product's in the bottom, and yep, then... Exactly. Well, <laughs> you start, you start that motion. It, First thing I do is say, don't shake it. What does yeah, Dustin yeah, do? Yeah, shake yeah. I shaked it lightly to not disturb shaked the product. Shook it. Uh, I Pete, shook it. Pete, Pete threw it on the ground. That's the last fucking times I bring. Pete's that's the last time I bring again. props to a podcast. <laughs> yeah, don't tell him what not to do because that'll props to the podcast. I'm gonna try Bad. it right now while we speak. Right. Well, so this is hilarious. <laughs> polish the beer can. Right. This is hilarious because I. Not kidding. Pete, just go ahead and shake it. No, you got to shake the shit out of it. This still has a price right on top, twenty dollars. Yeah, go right ahead. I'll let you take th- three cents worth out of there. So how this guy sells... Let let him know that this... You're done. Way too much. Oh, that's way too much. That's water. For the show prices... Oh, that's just the (laughs) pre-cum. Don't take all the water out of it. Shake it better. (laughs) Jerk. Jesus Christ. Here. Okay. I'm going to take it away before you take all the the distilled water out of my Colonel Brassy, which is like 90% of its ingredients. I think that homeless guy was doing a better job. So tell me Colonel Brassy's logo is not racist. It's not. It's not. It's just a Confederate soldier, clearly. He's the colonel. Well, it's like Dixie's it's kind of like the, It's kind of like the A1 general. Well, it's like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> Very much more. Uh, they're going to take that? No. <laughs> not until it's correct. A man who works in the medical field knows how to incorporate uh, he's solids good with into hands. a solution. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he knows. You gotta mix the uh, mix the uh, you quite, <laughs> medium quite the, the rhythm there, bud. <laughs> <laughs> and well, so the you get let me the see. Let me you see the kernel. Let me see him. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, that's. Uh, so as I'm sitting there cleaning all the chrome and cleaning all the stuff on these bikes, and it does work. I mean, this stuff works really good. And but how they sell this stuff is they literally. <laughs> the guy will show up in your shop un, uninvited. Oh, that's nice. The that's guy will come into your shop. And he'll say, or he'll look around, and in our particular case, he walked up to the, the wheel on our trailer, the snake oil salesman, the charlatan, yeah. mm-hmm. the guy who's about to hoodwink us for lots of money. He walks up to the shitty chrome wheel on your trailer that's never been washed Touched, ever yeah. because it's a working vehicle in a motorcycle shop. It's a shake weight. The, uh, but, and then while he was talking to me about this, he's smart. This guy's the best salesman I've ever met in my life because he's never going to try to sell me anything. He just walks up, and he's just like, hey, man, looking at the bikes, checking that all out. And meanwhile, he's got this stuff on his fingers, and he's just rubbing the the trailer wheel. And within 20 seconds or so, he's like, check it out. And it looked new. I mean, new. Now, this is not any world record-setting technology. It's just micro-fine pumice. That's all it is. And a micro-fine, well... It will clean shitty-looking aluminum, and it does a really good job. It actually dulled his beer. Of course it did. <laughs> I'm, not yeah, it did. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. That's just step one of nine. So as the 
as I'm doing all these bikes and just kind of my nipples and stick your finger up my ass. <laughs> <laughs> as I'm doing the uh, as I'm doing the polishing, Jeez. guy comes up and he literally tries to buy. He's like, "Oh, that looks that stuff looks great." He goes, "Did you bring any of it? I'll buy it." And I went, "My God, man!" Uh, and he goes, "Yeah, the guy down the other aisle is just polishing the bottom of beer cans." And I was like, "Well." That's good if you're a beer can collector, but I ride motorcycles. You know, is I don't want a product that polishes is this beer. Free cans. sample. What? Free that? sample. It is now. Uh, the Phil just lost twenty bucks on it. No. Well, no, we marked the shit out of those. You know what? If uh, we we mark that shit up hard in retail, there's a process. Is that called, what Mr. Brassy, or Colonel Brassy, told you to do? No, Colonel Brassy doesn't say shit. Colonel Brassy is happy to sell. What Cases. is? What, okay, so look at that's a twenty cent or forty cent bottle. That literally comes out of the animal husbandry division of whatever bottle that company that is. He looks like your somebody Sam. It does, and it's only printed in one color. And basically, what you're paying for is distilled water and microfine hummus. And microfine hummus. 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 And microfine hummus. At least hummus we could eat. Yeah. But yeah. But so this is. A jack out with you know, hummus it just gives me a rash. <laughs> well, here's what I've learned is... Hummus might actually polish stuff. You never know. Well, simichrome polish. Simichrome polish is very expensive. The pink toothpaste stuff. Yep. Right? So simichrome polish is really, really crazy expensive. <clears throat> Colonel Brassy is not crazy expensive. And they both achieve the exact same result. And I've done, I've done, the, te- I've done the test side by side. They work great. And this stuff, it, it does work. Yeah, so, and you're spilling beer all over you. Yeah, I was going to say. <clears throat> exactly. It causes right. the beer to spill. Do you right even have top. your heat on? <laughs> yes. What do you want? It's shiny cold. Spill beer. Yeah, yeah. I think it's warm in here. It's shut it's, up. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's uh, Steve's actually wearing pants tonight, folks. The heater is Mr. running its tits off, and it's 62 degrees in here. So, yeah. Mr. Shorts. Yeah, we've got as much we've got as much oh, heat as I can. Yeah. I can provide on this system. I assure you, by next year. There'll be twice as much heat in here. It'll be 124 degrees <laughs> in this building. We'll be doing Bikram yoga. The, uh, as soon as I have time, I'll put another one in. That's fine. We understand. <laughs> we're happy to have the one we have. We just thought one would be enough. We, we were wrong. Whenever we need heaters, we're going to go with twice as many heaters as we need. So I, there was nothing at the show that I was in any danger of purchasing. <clears throat> Unlike Pete, yeah. I didn't buy anything. Yeah. You know, uh, there was nothing that teased me. I was super duper excited about looking at that BMW 310, but in retrospect, it had too many parts on it that were shared with the Royal Enfield. Yeah. What do you think of that Royal Enfield? Uh, was it a six? The 650. 50. I think that the workmanship on it is considerably better than the workmanship on the 500. The castings look way better. Really. The assembly, the the fit, finish of the bike looks way way better. Now these are. Prototypes to a certain degree. <laughs> I was going to say, um, right. I think that's probably a right. show only. I think you're right. Look, look yeah. at this. Mm-hmm. Don't ignore me. I think you're right. <laughs> Way to go, beer can. The, uh, in case you're wondering whether or not it's working, I see black. I, th- I see you've managed to materialize tarnish. That's yeah. mercury coming out of there. That's the mercury coming out <laughs> and entering in his bloodstream. Yeah. We've chased the lead out of the product. The, uh, but yeah, there's, uh, I don't, there was nothing at the show I wanted to buy. There was nothing I came away with going, you know what, I think I'm going to own one of those someday. There really wasn't. There, I, there's not, if there's a hole in the market, Harley Davidson's closing its Kansas 
facility. That's it. Those, there's jobs being lost. And why are they doing that? They're just low sales. Wow. Low sales. sales. Absolutely low sales. And if you can read through the bullshitometer or the bullshit media reports, well, I don't no, know if you can't even talk to them because they can't talk to you because of the you had a horrible experience at the show. Well, I, got, I got the one finger in my face, and the guy picked up his cell phone and started calling somebody. When he was just, all I wanted to do was ask him a couple softball questions. Right. And I was I was very surprised to find out that somebody that was representing the motor company, I was surprised to find out that somebody that represented that big of a company gave you the fucking brush off like that. Look at look at, at Indian. Yeah. All those guys flocked to they were they joined the podcast. <laughs> they they talked to everything. I mean, they were like human yeah. beings. Yeah. Yeah, they, I, I'll get Kawasaki guy came over and joined the podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I thought that the people were by and large very friendly. I will say that the two people I had an interaction with the Harley booth did not know fuck all about their product, and we're talking about easy shit. Which like is this bike liquid cooled? Well, one was one <laughs> that was, was yeah. funny. One was <laughs> Tiffany, and the other one was. Uh, Sugar, yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Sugar tits and Tiffany. Yeah, there. Uh, I was not. I was not at all impressed by that. That's that business model. That thing. Did you get sugar tits uh, con- contact information? I did not. I did not. I I did not at all. Yeah, the, she, uh, that's she, she lives at the, uh, <laughs> So here you go. Uh, the Milwaukee-based company. Oh, you guys are all diddling the bottom of that beer can. It's duller. Yeah, it's, 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 it's more dull. I'm going to tell you. It, that's why I said it's not for polishing beer cans. Right. Because it took off the clear that's coat. That's the technical part of our show, It folks. took off the clear coat. The, uh, okay. Polish beer cans with Mr. Brassy. You guys want some numbers? Yes, please. All right. In 2017, the company will move ahead with a plan to consolidate manufacturing including the closure of its Kansas City, Missouri plant. The world's largest manufacturer of heavyweight motorcycles has struggled to reverse a four-year sales slide. They're claiming, and this is, I, this is the first honest thing I think I've read from Harley-Davidson in seven or eight years, because they, oh, well, they will admit to losing 1% of the market. They'll admit to losing 2% of the market. They admit to these little tiny, tiny losses. But when I see actual numbers of bikes that are titled and registered and being sold, the numbers are much fucking scary. <clears throat> Don't tell me that you lost 1% over the past eight years or lost 1% per year. That's a total loss of 8 or 10%. The Milwaukee-based company said that its in- net income fell 82% hmm. in its fiscal fourth quarter to $8.3 million compared with a year later earlier. Look, that's really bad. Okay, this that's is seriously bad. Here's what I'm saying: at some point, you cannot lie about the numbers anymore. At some point, the numbers catch up with you, and these numbers get published, and you have to admit them. Now, you can either admit that you were lying about the previous eight years, or you can make a fucking lie up like this: that is, in one year, we lost eighty-two percent. Now we know that you didn't lose eighty-two percent in one year. Okay, but that's somebody releasing. People would be some getting fired, like high-level people that make decisions. It would be, well, but you know, they, stuff like that doesn't slide. I mean, exactly. The people on right. the board and all the top management, you no, know, they're not bringing in enough cash to make payroll, or they they can't meet their debts. I mean, they know what's going on. Whether they tell 
you know, cycle news or whatever, who gives a shit. And the only people they really got to tell are stockholders. Thank you. And that's exactly the most important point. Because no matter what happens, they are required by law to release their company data to their their shareholders. We should buy one stock. Yeah, so well, we get the financials. One share? Right. Just one? All you <laughs> one need is stock. one share. So you need one share <laughs> right. and you get all the financials. Okay, the so earnings per share were $0.05, cents, down from $0.27 cents a year earlier. <clears throat> Any way you cut the cake, when it's $0.05 cents down from $0.27, cents, you've lost What's your stock 75%. Price? I don't know at the moment. Uh, I I can assure you, there. this is their... Well, okay. yeah, okay, yeah, right. This is their statement, and this is a public statement made by them to their shareholders about why they're in the position they're in. We fucked the up. Earnings, no, ready? <laughs> the earnings drop came in part because of a char- The earnings drop came in part because of a charge associated with President Trump's tax cut and a $29.4 million charge for a voluntary product recall. What, they're blaming Trump's tax cut? I don't understand. Well, yeah, for let's the skip life over that. Let's right. skip over that. It's just a red herring. Yeah, yeah I yeah, got to believe that. Should. So, right. But twenty nine million dollars in a in a recall. In a recall, a voluntary product recall. Harley Davidson Worldwide Retail Motorcycle fails sell, fell six point seven percent in twenty seventeen compared to twenty sixteen. So, their stock closed <clears throat> at forty seven dollars and fifty cents today. Okay. Forty-seven fifty. Forty-seven fifty. So, so Dustin, Dustin, do a do a one-year yeah. uh, uh, price on that. Yep, exactly. So, where was it a year ago? And mm-hmm. then you can do a five-year also. Right. Ford is a four point eight percent dividend. Right. Um, and their stocks at like twelve, around you know it goes 12 up bucks? and down. Right. Twelve, ten to yeah. ten to fifteen. It goes in, a share. Yeah, it goes right. between the two. <clears throat> now, what they're saying is they they'll say that in. This year, in the past calendar year, the U.S. sales fell 8.5%. Meanwhile, international sales were down 4%. So U.S. sales are literally double drop, the double, double the drop of what international sales are. Okay, but to yeah. put that into perspective, mm-hmm. they were probably selling 10 times as much <clears throat> in the U.S., and they have little inky-dinky sales over overseas. For Harley-Davidson, yeah. 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 I, but they're, they're not talking about Harley, though. Um, they're talking about uh, oh, the whole motorcycle industry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is an article that says electric bike fails to spark Harley Davidson stock. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it would, and and it would fail to spark Harley Davidson stock because oh god, I, their their stock is called Hog on the yes, Nasdaq. H O G. Yeah. So dorks. Yeah. What? What? Which models or whatever are being made in Kansas City? Do we know? Well, so this is what I want to know about the smoke and or the mirrors. Uh, the company's manufacturing consolidation includes plans to shift production from Kansas City into its plant in York, PA. About 800 jobs in Kansas City will be cut. So this is not a small impact. 800 jobs is a lot of fucking jobs. That suggests that a lot of things are changing. It suggests now, that they're going to do more outsourcing, too. Well, or, or automation. Do you guys remember? Kansas is the new plant. Kansas City, Missouri is the new factory. Do you guys remember a few years ago wh- what they said was going to be built in the Kansas City, fu- the Kansas City plant? 750? Yes. Yeah. Street 500s and Street 750s. The bikes that were already built in India were going to be rebuilt in Kansas City, Missouri, so they could say that, that they were made in America. 
right. The, the Kansas City factory was the factory that materialized out of nowhere. Was it built <clears> from the ground up? Yes, there was a it was a new it was a new build. Wow. Just means the bikes come in, they remove all the curry. Yeah, and <laughs> they're packed in curry. Well, but this was a big question for me because we uh, we examined the bikes, we looked at them up close, and the bikes that were made in America were not in any way different than the bikes that were quote made in India. They're the same goddamn bikes. Is this reflecting the, that the sales <coughs> from the street five hundred seven fifties are question. just crap, yes. so that they don't need to absolutely. I mean, so that factory's no longer... You don't need to lie obsolete. anymore. Yeah. You don't need to tell me it's made in America if nobody's buying the piece of shit anyway. And it could be the greatest bike in the world. Well, it's it's, it's not that it's yeah. a piece of shit. Right. Let's just say that it's a fine bike, but it's, it's a, a 500750 right. yeah. some maybe does not fit in the lineup of Harley-Davidson. Mm. Their customers walking in... Walk mm-hmm. right past those on the showroom floor. Nobody wants to buy that. No, but you right. buy an 883 before you buy a 750. Well, they want, they want to buy it for their old lady. <clears throat> but we learned when Merritt and I went into the dealership and pretended to be who we are. You're a secret shopper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we pretended to be who we are when we're not running a motorcycle shop, we went in there to be what? People who live in Avon Lake that have really good credit scores that are interested in buying some motorcycles. And we went in there pretending to want to buy what? A Street 750 for me and a Street 500 for my old lady. Nice. Why did we pretend to want to buy those two bikes? To see what they would say. Because I haven't ridden a bike in 20 years. But I'm interested in getting back in the game. And these bikes look really cool. They look neat. And they're a Harley that we can afford. And it's something we're not going to have to mortgage our house on to buy. So talk to me about these Street 750s. You know what the dealer said? What? Let's go over here to these Sportsters. <laughs> you need a twelve hundred. You need a Sportster twelve hundred. So and she up, needs is, an eight eight three. Absolutely. Is, so he's upselling you guys, or he has no <clears throat> confidence in the seven fifties and the five hundreds. He which said. He said in his own words, which by the way we didn't need to say anything. There was only one street seven fifty. <clears throat> yeah. In the entire goddamn dealership of over two hundred motorcycles. And it was way over in the corner, way over in the corner. Underneath the coats and everything? We were, I was joking. <laughs> it, was, it was on the opposite corner of the showroom from the bathroom over by the exit doors that go out to, like, the service department or whatever. Like, you wouldn't know that bike was there. It didn't have any lifestyle features around it. It didn't have helmets or cool shit around it. It was literally just like an orphan child over there. The only thing it had was a for-sale ticket on it. Why? Then how do they why is it over there? Why? I, I, I want the why. Because the dealers themselves either are not getting a, a good margin selling it because they're not... Because they're disgusted by it, because it's not from America, because it's clearly the cat's out of the bag that it's from India, because it doesn't represent the Harley-Davidson lifestyle that they believe in. Because there's not enough Farkle they can sell you. Because there's not a great aftermarket for it, because it's proven to not be a profit center for the, the dealership, or because they have 57 street glides left over from 2015. <laughs> So, the, all right, but that's yeah. an upsell. Yes. Okay. As opposed to, I'm not going to show you my orphan child over here right. because I'm ashamed of the orphan child. So right. if if it's a shame deal, yeah. that's a whole... The salesman I talked to said, I don't like selling those. 
Well, then that's a management <laughs> issue. Yes, that's it is. a real fucking management it's issue. It's a real fucking management issue. Because the right. people that are building those right. are hoping the dealers are going to sell right. them and, exactly. and have them on the floor because yeah. maybe all you and your old lady can afford right. is something like that. Yeah. So you're going to walk out the door because you don't want a street car. And the, the, psycho- I mean, the psychosis of the whole thing is here he had two people walking into his shop, right? Yeah. That have said, we have motorcycle. Buying signals. Dude, we have motorcycle endorsements. Yeah, buying signals. Right. I'm wearing a black leather jacket. Yeah. Right? I have named your product by name. Did he direct you to the Harley labeled leather jackets? <laughs> well, I, what he did do was he did, what he did do was he did frost our ass. So after we, after we expressed our desire to purchase the Street 750 and the Street 500, which he basically said, you'd be stupid for buying that, <laughs> right? Well, he's, what he said was, that's a beginner's motorcycle. We use those in our training program. You've clearly ridden motorcycles before. We want to get you on something you're not going to feel like <clears throat> you've outgrown right away. So you should come over and check out this 1200 Sportster. If you want, I, I said, I'm not even going to look, and I told him, I'm not even going to look at some big 88 cubic inch machine. I'm not even going to look at anything like that. I don't even want that. I want a bike that's lightweight, easy to ride. And then he proceeded to tell me all about the Sportster 1200, which I pretended I stayed in character, and I wanted to be a light... I wanted to ride a lightweight motorcycle. I wanted to ride a lightweight, easy-to-ride bike because I haven't ridden in 20-some years. That was the character. In that guy's defense, though, I think the, the salesmen for Harley are getting screwed because... They don't give them enough hours. They don't sell enough bikes. And if they don't meet their minimum quota, then they don't get uh, the commission. So they have to make it in 30 days, or they don't get the commission, then they get paid minimum wage right. or whatever it is. Okay, well, so fuck the guys, I don't give us a shit about him. No, I'm no, fine. but what I'm saying is, <laughs> of course bad. the guy's going to, I mean, yep. you don't care about the guy, but the no. guy cares about himself, and he's going to be upselling you so that he can get, hit that dollar of course amount. Right, right. So but, that he can get. But the thing is, he's not reading his customer, because he's going to have the customer that, that says, hey, I need a 1200. Harley's not reading their customer. They've lost how many percent of the market? I mean, well, they're not just going over there right now. Right. It might, and that's, this is why I bring this up. If we say chicken and egg, yeah, if, we, if we immediately do this and say, <laughs> You yeah, want a piece of me? If you told me, if you lied to me and told me that the reason that Kansas City existed, the reason the Kansas City factory existed, the lie you told me, well, they lie, what, it might be the truth. That you told me three or four years ago was that these Street 500s and Street 750s were not Indian bikes. Because right off the bat, what did everyone say? These bikes are made in India. And Harley went, no, 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 no. These first ones are <laughs> As made. As you say that with an Indian accent. Ah, they oh, said, no, 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 no. Eh, they said the first <laughs> ones. Bullshit. <laughs> the first ones, these ones are made in India. But we're opening up a facility. We're building a facility in Kansas City to build them here in America. And I call bullshit on that because if you're building it in India for purchase price X, why would you then build it in America for purchase price X minus X plus one? You're dumb. You already no, have no, a manufacturing. No, street. no, no. Untrue. Untrue. No. They, no, no, no. Every, not every. I, sh- I shan't say that. Yeah. But shan't. Shan't. Right. Good word. Yeah. You know Harleys are yeah. super American. So, Absolutely. So they have to right have down something. to their Chinese calipers. Right. So all, <laughs> so what? So what do they got to do? They got to build yeah. a seven fifty and a five hundred mm-hmm. times <clears throat> however many dealerships they have. Right. Throw them out on the, the showroom floor. Mm-hmm. That's really all they had yeah. to do. Yeah. Because if what you experienced 
out there right. is the same as the rest of them, right. based on probably the good argument that, that yeah. you're making, yeah. is that they're not going to sell the things anyhow because everybody's under pressure to, right. to, to upsell, make their quota, yeah. and get some money in their friggin' pocket. And maybe if you want to complain about why are there no good lightweight, medium weight bikes, it's because From companies, because this particular company, Harley-Davidson, has gone to a lot of trouble to create the Street 500 and the Street 750. That cost them money to do that. Now, but what we're leaving out is that those two bikes were originally marketed, created, fabricated in India because the cost of bringing a bike into India is astronomical. Their country will tariff the shit out of a bike being brought in because they want to make things there. They want to retain their manufacturing base. So Harley realizes there's 1.1 million potential buyers there for that bike. Well, look, if if you can sell 1.1 million of anything... Royal Enfield yeah. selling a, yeah. Royal Enfield is selling a million motorcycles a year. That's a good number. Yes, it is, and they're doing it ninety five percent inside of India. So the reason the rest of the fucking goddamn planet doesn't give a shit about Royal Enfield is because India doesn't give the shit about the rest of the goddamn planet when they're selling they're a million. Get- when you're selling a million in your own house, you don't some, try to sell to your neighbors. Somebody's having a party. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if I sold a million candy bars a year, right. I'd be a very rich man. Well, but you wouldn't be trying to sell them in other places. <clears throat> so one percent so, or ten percent, right? You know, it's like you, you just like skim that profit. That's you know? it. So, and, so to circle that back, yeah, is ultimately was it a facade trying to build seven fifty five hundred Kansas City and maybe see if they sell in the U.S. However, definitely go after a portion of the Indian market or the overseas market. Well, definitely the Indian market to them is so to, vast. To Harley. To Harley. The Indian market, that 500 product, that 750 product that's built in <clears throat> India will yes. be sellable in India at Indian prices. It will compete with the Enfield. Yeah. There are more people in India today that have disposable income that can afford to buy that 500 and that 750 because they're selling something that's never happened in India before, those 500cc fuel-injected Royal Enfields that originally, when they first launched, could only ever be sold outside of India because the bike was too expensive for the home market. What happened... Breathe clean air, do they die? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what happened, is, what happened is all of a sudden, Indians, the Indian marketplace, the Indian consumer has become way more affluent than he was before because of jobs that are being exported into India, because of India's desire to make money. So then would Harley be seen in India, same engine size, 500 to 500 Mm -hmm. Enfield, but would would Harley be seen as a status symbol? Absolutely. Totally is. Absolutely. You are are freaking Elvis if you show up on a Harley Davidson. And and right now in Japan. BMW in South America and India. It's exactly right. Yeah. Any, any name the throw. Well, so so at the end of the day, <laughs> name the if, if Harley, <laughs> no, it's, it's true. If Harley decides that they're going to build it somewhere, right. and market it overseas, right. India, wherever, <clears throat> right. that's not a bad decision. Fuck no, for them, and especially based on some of these numbers you quoted, yeah. losing market share, losing uh, if they value. Can get- yeah, if they can get 10% of Royal Enfield's home market, <clears throat> that's 100,000 units. Which is Do you know who builds 100,000 units per year? Not fucking many people. 
Well, how, how many... I mean, Moto Gucci units? makes 7,000. <clears throat> right. But right. if they're selling 100,000 right. in India... Moto Gucci's full production is 7,000 7, units? 7,500 units. Wow. Right. That's what I'm, t- that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they should <laughs> number them all. Yeah, so, really. But here's the point. The point <laughs> is, if you, get, if you can capture a tenth of the... And not Indian saying market. the Indian market. It's not the Indian market. It's the market in India that Enfield already owns. Yeah. This is not... I mean, we're not talking about Kinetic. We're not talking about all the different brands that are sold well, in India. Well, that would boost by 40%. And scooters. And like that, numbers by 40%. Think about it. There's one million... There's in... Like Enfield. Enfield, the company, Royal Enfield, is selling a million units a year in India. Jesus fucking Christ, man. That's <coughs> a lot of bikes. Right, right, that's right. A, an astronomical yeah. from a production standpoint. Yeah. That's insane. Harley Davidson would love to have those numbers. God, if I sold a million paper clips, well, I'd have and, a lot of money. And mm-hmm. Harley Davidson's not selling. They're not selling a million because we in, don't sell in the U.S. I wonder in how many 2008. Well, I wonder how many units they're selling in the like U.S. In our best year, two hundred thousand guys, sixty thousand. In okay. our best year ever, this country. The one we live in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our best year ever, 2008. Yeah. We sold 1.1 million motorcycles. Across all brands. Every brand, yeah. brand new unit sales, yeah. 1.1 million. <clears throat> that's that's what one manufacturer sells in India. That's not all the bikes sold in India. That's <laughs> one manufacturer per year. <laughs> per year. Yes. Well, so, so our best year is equal to the year they're having in India right now at one address, at the Royal Enfield headquarters. So... That's how big their market is, and how shitty our market is compared to that. So, yeah. so to come back to Harley and the yeah. seven hundred and fifty and five hundred plant closing down. Yeah, they're either going to do away with those two products, right, or they're going to continue to build them in York, PA. But, or in my opinion, I think they're going to continue to pretend to build them in York. <coughs> well, but, but whether they build them or they don't, because you know what point, happened. The point is, I don't. Yeah. As as a manager of right. that company, don't build the bikes unless I can fucking sell the bikes. That's right. Right? That's right. So that's that's just inventory yeah. that I'm paying for all day long. And I can't put them on the dealer's floor because the, the dealer won't move them. The so them. so what the hell are we going to do with them? The only people that are moving the um, – the only people that are – I'm sorry. The only reason those bikes are ending out, they're, they're, they're selling out, is through their Eagle – their training program. So in the motor – in the Harley-Davidson – the Harley Davidson sponsored training programs that are running in the United States, they exclusively use the 500 uh, CC street the street I, motorcycle. I understand, but yep. that is just like they used to use dual such, That's that's not even a niche market. Not I mean, even that's, that's that's a yeah. sideways throwaway yeah. piece of shit exactly. because you know you, can, you can't you can't run a production schedule just how well we need some training bikes. And you want to hear what's crazy is of all the events that we attend in the summertime. So we go to Nemeth's, we go to all this fun stuff that we do as a group. We have these bike nights and all these things available to us. I have, as a guy that goes to too many of them, I have seen one Street 750 owned. Owned. One, I know one guy who owns the bike. Okay. He came into our shop on the east side. Yeah. He shopped us out. He looked at some different bikes. Yeah. He went to the Harley dealer, and in his words... The Harley dealer, quote, gave me this bike, lost his ass on this yeah. bike, agreed to sell me this bike because he was forced to take them and wanted nothing to do with them. And despite his best effort to try to sell me another product, 
Yeah. I said, fuck you, I want that bike. It's going to be the easiest sale you're going to make today. I'm going to grab you by the throat and force you to take my money. And that's how he ended up with the bike. And he told me what he paid for it, and it's cheap. And, he, and by that definition, he got a hell of a deal on a bike I wouldn't want to own. A bike to me that is a 1983 Honda Shadow 750. You know, it's all the technology. They've completely nailed a 1983 Shadow 750. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like this one. Like everything on really the bike is what it is. It's yeah. a caricature of an American cruiser bike. So yeah. now what, what you're telling me that you <laughs> yeah. left out of the story to begin with was it's a poorly designed bike or it's got... There's 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 nothing new and interesting right. and fun and exciting about right. it, which is what they sell, which is excitement. And so if they're selling a 1983, but is Harley selling excitement or is his, is Harley selling heritage? Heritage. Because what seems to be proven to work for that company, well, they sell a hell of a lot of heritage if right. it's big, you know, street baggers and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't or not. Pardon me, because I mean I think Eric Buell will tell you that Buell <clears> didn't work with Harley Davidson. No. After multiple attempts, but but that's a completely yeah. different niche. Yeah, but I mean, it was the idea was having having an entry level bike, and well, when Harley, blast. right? They, he sold. They must have sold quite a few black. They didn't because yeah. you see a lot of them on. And he sold every single one he sold was he sold under protest. <laughs> like like Eric Buell did not love the blast. That wasn't something he wanted. It's to tiny do. bike though. It's just. It's nothing he wanted to do. We've worked on a few of them, and they're they're not awesome bikes. Um, they're they're not. Yeah. All right, so you can't cut we need to do a podcast function, yeah. right. from yeah. the offices in York, PA. We need mm. to all ride over there <laughs> yeah. and say, well, we <laughs> want to see what you guys good. are building. Well, we're, I, we're, we're doing a follow-up. We did a whole Harley so what podcast did, for you guys. Well, but what had happened was years ago when Harley-Davidson wanted the military bike, so I have a little bit of background with this. When they wanted to get the military contract in the early 90s, rather than engineer their own bike, they went and bought a bike from Armstrong Motorcycle Company, the, the MT500. They, brought, they bought a British motorcycle. They purchased... Not even a motorcycle, the company. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, well, you know, CCM, uh, a great <clears throat> hockey equipment manufacturer, uh, was, as a motorcycle manufacturer, was called Armstrong, and they were building... Motorcycles that were powered by a 500cc Rotax motor. They also built a 350cc version of the same bike. And so Harley-Davidson decided, I want to get the military contract. Rather than engineering my own bike from the ground up, which cost billions of dollars to do, I'm just going to go purchase a bike that can already be purchased. Put my can already be produced. Right. I'm going to put my name on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm going to put it forth against the Kawasaki and the Honda as Murican. <clears throat> and very much like what happened with the original contract of Harley-Davidson's, which is when the United States military for World War II said, we want a 500cc motorcycle that weighs a certain amount of money and can be operated by, or I'm sorry, which weighs a certain amount of weight and can be operated by any American serviceman. Harley-Davidson went to the competition for World War II and said, you said 500cc, and I noticed the Indian over there is 500ccs. I brought a 750. Aren't you proud of me? I brought a WLA, 45 cubic inch motor. And so by cheating, they won. Their bike obviously outperformed the Indian, even though it was heavier <coughs> than the Indian by a fucking lot. And they didn't tell them it was a 750. Well, they, they won the competition. Uh, they won the competition. Earl and procurement didn't yeah. know it was a right. 750? They won the competition. Indian lost the competition. Generally, yeah. Uh, 
It changed no. Harley forever. Military mechanics from Tennessee with uh, ninth grade educations. Yeah. That's Earl. Yeah. <laughs> Don't disparage Earl. But he knew it was a 750. But what worked for Harley Davidson in 19 Shut the fuck up. Well, what worked for Harley Davidson in 1939, they thought would work again in 1990, 1992, and that was if the rules say bring me a 250 cc bike that weighs less than 300 pounds, I'm going to bring you a 500 cc bike that weighs 340 pounds, and I'm going to win because. Once again, that's what got us the contract in World War II. Put Indian out of business and put Harley-Davidson in the spotlight. How'd that work out? It worked out great. Harley-Davidson's been making billions of dollars every year since World War II. Indian was a fart in the wind that went away no, how, after World how, War II. How'd the 1993 work out? Not so good, because they were up against modern companies like <laughs> Honda and Kawasaki, who both fielded bikes that were 250 cc's that met all the specifications and outperformed the British... Rotex-equipped motorcycle that Harley-Davidson bought in England. So even when they cheated, they lost, right? And Kawasaki got the contract. So Kawasaki got the contract, had the contract ever since until relatively recently when the contract went to zero electric motorcycles. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, right? Because you ever heard of a Kawasaki diesel motorcycle? Yeah. You and you other fetishy fucking freaks. I'm glad that shit failed when it got to the desert. <laughs> I'm sick of hearing that. Oh, you got a KLR 650 military? Has it got a diesel motor? Oh, because diesel motors are so cool on motorcycles, you freak. You fucking child toucher. What the fuck, man? Motorcycles are not meant to be diesels. Diesel does not work in motorcycles. Never has, never will. And if you think it does, you think it's a good idea, go drive my goddamn Mitsubishi Pajero out there that's diesel compared to my Mitsubishi Gas. Drive both of them. The Mitsubishi Diesel is just a dumb goddamn dog, even with its turbo and its intercooler. It's just, okay, I guess we're going to go do this. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm a turbo, hear me spool. I'm a turbo. But seriously, when you take that, when Hayes, look at, I love the whole idea of Hayes Diversified Technologies. I love the name of it. It sounds like something from a James Bond you can't film. Roll a car. Right? Okay. I mean, it sounds, it, sounds, like a comic book it sounds like something from the Venture Brothers, right? So you know, we're going up against Hayes, diversified technology. What do you guys hey? make? <laughs> Shit that's painted black. You know, their whole thing is skunk works. That's the whole reason they exist. But remember, they made Kawasaki KLR 650s, and the military went, great, that's cool, except for gasoline kills people on the battlefield. Have you ever been on fire? It's not fun. So, rather than moving a bunch of gasoline around the battlefield, which is flammable, we're going to keep using diesel, which we use in all of our other shit anyway. So, you know, the only reason to have gasoline on a battlefield 10 years ago was for KLR 650s and the generators on top of the personnel carriers that catch on fire for the, you know, the tactical uh, operations center. Generators... And motorcycles. See, a diesel makes Let's, sense to use in your generator on top of that. Well, they did eventually change it, and yeah. now, thank goodness, all of the goddamn generators in the military are multi-fuel. But when I was in, in the 80s, on top of our 577 pregnant personnel carrier, which turned into an office, we had a gasoline-powered 5K generator. And uh, the whole battalion had them, and they ran on MoGas, which means bring me some MoGas, motherfucker. <laughs> but... <laughs> It was the only thing that ran on gasoline and the goddamn stupid Kawasaki motorcycles. But you know what doesn't mix? Bullets, gasoline, and privates. 
Because you get an 18-year-old around bullets and gasoline, people going to fucking die, man. Oh, you need to have this. You need to have the simplicity of diesel. That kind and, of privacy. And have one fuel. <laughs> have one fuel like, for the whole goddamn generator. <laughs> okay. Yeah, whole division. If you've ever slept in a tent and you had a Yukon stove, the Yukon stove was designed to run on diesel, but it burned the fucker down when you put gasoline in it. Right? And that's how it works. So get the gasoline off the battlefield. They put the diesels in the Kawasaki's. The Kawasaki's made it as far as Iraq. They got over there and they all blew up. Squirrel. Squirrel. So, you know, if you come up to your, me and you're like, your Kawasaki's are diesel. No, hey, where do we start with this whole discussion? <laughs> wow. Exactly. So, what you but the point being, at the show. well, here's why York, we're going to circle back to York, PA. They pretended that the Armstrong military motorcycles were built in York, Pennsylvania. If you look, all of after they lost the contract, after the Harley-Davidson company failed to get the military contract and they lost it to Kawasaki, they had already made the mistake of purchasing the Armstrong Motorcycle Company. Millions and millions of dollars went to some British guy who was like laughing all the way to the goddamn bank because his motorcycles were obsolete anyway, right? He was already dying a slow death. And they couldn't stop the check. Right, and Harley bought it, and so Harley, stop on that check right, right away. And, and Harley, shit, and Harley started building the motorcycles in York, PA. I'm going to ask you, how many Rotax motors do you think were built in York, PA? Not one. Is it an Austria right. suburb? Yes, exactly. Yeah, Austria, PA. Do you think? Do you think? Yeah, do you think Rotax would allow an American in York, PA, to build their fucking motors? Fuck no, they wouldn't. That motor arrived already hanging in the bike. It got lightly assembled in York, PA, so it could have a 1HD VIN number that denoted it was manufactured in the United Goddamn States of America. And when they didn't get the contract, every long-suffering Harley dealer in America had two of those bikes show up unrequested at a $10,000 MSRP back in 1992. Wow, 10,000 goddamn dollars in 1992 <laughs> bought you a hastily assembled British motorcycle with an Austrian motor. And all the shop tools to go with it. Well, that was the problem. His dealers didn't want to touch him. Nobody wanted to work on him. It was a fucking disaster. And guys that have those bikes today, a bike that sold retail in 1992... For $10,000, if you put no miles on it, left it in the Cosmoline, never rode it, and you own it right now, all these years later, 25 years later. Does that mean you're a freak child toucher or what? Well, <laughs> but it's not a diesel. But if you own one right now, that bike is worth as much as $6,000. Did you get the punchline to that value? fucking joke? Lost a little value? Lost a bunch of value. Boom, boom. Because it never became, it never became awesome. It just never got awesome. Maybe it's right on the cusp. Maybe you should start buying them right now because it's going to go up. Yeah, I'm a member of all those forums. <laughs> what we have to do is get the hipsters into them. Well, the idea is that the company, the motor company, lost the U.S. contract. They still sold them to the Jordanian. Do some research. Yeah. Uh, they sold them to the Jordanian military. They sold some to the Canadians. They sold some around enough to kind of. You know, cut the bleeding, I guess, for lack of a better term. They didn't support them. Mm. Those companies are not still using those motorcycles to this day. So they, they're not viable. But that's what Harley-Davidson, that's the same thing today with the Indian bikes that happened back in 1992. <clears throat> York, PA. 
So yeah. is the moral of the story that Harley Davidson should just stick to what they know, which is big land yachts and sell that? No, the moral of the story is what they should have done is spent that those millions of dollars in R and D, came up with a bike that was actually viable against Honda and Kawasaki. Seven fifty and five hundred, or or larger displacement. No, they could have that platform would have been a two fifty yeah. if they would have designed it, and then they could have. Gone, got in that range of bikes, and then they would have had another avenue to sell different bikes. Just remember how successful Aramachi was for Harley Davidson. Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm just saying, if you design your own from this ground up, like like the way the, the Chinese, I mean, yep. not to say the that Chinese the Chinese build good stuff. Anything. No, but they backwards engineer <clears throat> right. stuff, and they make it, I mean, they make yeah. it similar. Well, they do, absolutely, yeah. But with good quality control, this isn't the you first could... time the market's gone to shit, and this isn't the first time in the history of motorcycling that the market's gone to shit, and they've blamed it on young buyers or the lack of young buyers. And this isn't the first time that the market has reached out to try to draw in more young buyers because the young buyers were just not buying. And yeah, Harley Davidson did it in the '70s with all the Aramachis. Indian did it by branding, ironically, Aramachis and Atal Jets with mm-hmm. an Indian logo. So this has happened before. It's not the first time. It there needs to be a home run though. There needs to be something to motivate new buyers. Well, speaking of young buyers, yeah. My daughter, my son, yeah. her boy, my son's girlfriend, and mm-hmm. my daughter's boyfriend. They were all, all the show. And they all got their temporaries. Get the fuck out of oh, here! And then they came right in the shop, and Aaron sent me pictures of. That buddy right there. And then Ali <laughs> was sending me pictures of a bunch of bikes here. That's so, fantastic. So they're all hot to buy a bike now. Yeah. And so, you know what? That's so exactly... So now in addition to cars, Steve's going to buy the motorcycles. Yeah. Because they know where they're, they know who's going to be the... They're like, you know what? He's, he's the bread and butter man He's over clearly here. the bread and butter man over there. He's the sugar daddy. Dad's working an extra 40 hours this week. Got to find a way to spend all his money. Well, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. But but I'm just saying that from a from a, a buyer's now, what do you do to get them to close mm-hmm. the deal? What yeah. do you do to get to close the deal on them? They like Ali and my son. Yeah, like CB 350s and CB 750s, and that's <clears> and good like. because this is what we talked about. My New Year's resolution is to quit telling people to fuck off. Mm-hmm. How's that working for you? Pretty goddamn good. <laughs> Ain't sold shit. Had 30 people offer me money on a, a dream, and nobody took me up on the offer. But the point being, I'm no longer telling people that buying a CD750 or buying a CD350 is the wrong idea for them. I'm no longer counseling them against doing the same shit that I did when I was that age. Well, then, I mean, the thing is, look at what it's produced. Look at what do it. you and I did that. Yeah. And look at what it's produced. Right. Monsters. Let's do it. Let's build a few fucking... Yeah. So so is it really wrong to really dissuade them from doing that? Because at least now you can get diaphragms for those bikes. Yes. Which is the biggest thing. That- well, and you <laughs> know what? Hey, whether or not whether or not we get them to fix that bike and ride that bike and live on that bike and think that bike's the greatest thing in the world, at least we're making them into a, a fucking motorcycle owner. At least right. that person becomes an owner. So you're not walking them away from right. that 750 no. 500 the way that dealer no. did to you. Exactly. Say, so you want to no. buy that bike? Let me sell you that I'm saying, bike. you're motivated? I'm picking up what you're laying down, brother. Yeah, if you're motivated, <laughs> I'm press, not going to walk you away from that. Press hard, the bottom copy's yours. That's right. Ex- <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> right, you got to get through three... Co- you got to get through your two <laughs> pieces of carbon. for the money. Yeah. <laughs> so... 
<laughs> I'm gonna. I have do to I, pee real do quick. Do I know the closing lines here? Press hard the bottom copy shares. So, uh, did you see what's over in our shop right there? Ducati. Yeah. Do you know what that is? No. It's a Ducati monster. It's a monster. Uh, a monster. It's a 750cc motorcycle. It's the Iron Duke. And do you know what surprised me about that motorcycle? Yeah. It's 20 goddamn years old. It's kind of pretty. It's 20 years old. Now, when I started riding motorcycles, there weren't many 20-year-old motorcycles that existed in this country that were from anywhere other than America because Honda really only landed here in the mid-60s. So for me to have a 20-year-old motorcycle, it would have been a Honda Dream. That is a pretty goddamn incredible motorcycle for a 20-year-old bike. It's lightweight. It has reasonable performance and torque and handling and all those things. And Band-Aid? Yep. Yeah, these two pieces of black tape on the tank make it go faster. Yep. Yep. But here's what I, this is what I think, find really interesting about the Ducati Monster. Mm. Look at that. Yeah, the gas tank's on a hinge, and you lift the gas tank totally vertical to get to your valve adjustments, right? And to get to your big old battery and all the stuff in there, and your air box, and your coils, and your voltage regulators, and CDIs, and all that stuff is under the gas tank. But how cool that is, you know? It's just got, literally, gas tank just lifts up, it's on a hinge. And that's how you get to all that shit. It's got little latch locks and goes down. But it's pretty cool. So this motorcycle, 750cc Ducati motorcycle, um, I checked on this. Would anybody like to guess what the blue book value of that bike is right there? About $1,400. Uh, $2,000. Anyone? I think you'll let everyone play in. $14, Dustin, $2,000. Yeah. yeah, what do you think the value is? Blue book value. What the insurance is going to say that bike is worth... Uh, 20 years, I'm dropping to 800 bucks. That's what I was going to say. $1,000. $799. It's, 14, it's $1,400. It's $1,400 trade-in value, $1,750, 1800 retail. Really? Right? Under two grand. So if you are an entry-level motorcycle person, you're not, looking, you're not necessarily looking at a piece-of-shit motorcycle. That's kind of an interesting bike. <clears throat> now, you're probably going to get one that has twenty or 30,000 miles on it. might need a valve adjustment, but still... But hey, you yeah, lift the, the tank up. The and that doubles the price of the bike. Sure it does, absolutely. But that's the kind of thing for a new entry-level <clears throat> rider. That's the two-valve motor. That's a very, very easy motor to live with. Mm-hmm. Look where Steve walks over to Yeah, of course he looks <laughs> at the old CD750. After, after 200,000 or 20 years, Steve needs a valve adjustment too, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. But, I don't know, my, my future son-in-law probably yeah. is yeah. probably going to come in here and buy that bike. Well, And that's what he should do, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's an easy bike to maintain. The parts are still <coughs> available. You get to learn a lot about the history of motorcycles just by owning it. That'll make you his future mechanic. <laughs> no, hell no. That keeps him off your daughter if he's out working on his oh, motorcycle. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Nothing, keeps your, nothing keeps you from being a grandfather like an unreliable motorcycle in the garage. Yeah. That is so much cheaper than diapers. <laughs> Yikes. The, uh, Yikes. Yeah. The island, I was very surprised when I picked that bike up today. I just, when I picked the bike up for service, I was like, God damn, this is an old bike. I, I, I was like, this is older than I think it is. And I realized the bike's a 98. And that made me look at some, look at some numbers and look at some data. And I've always kind of liked those. And boy, for an entry-level thing, you know. 
You got that, like, uh, it's a Ducati. It's got charisma. So if that's it, guys, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, we're going to say, uh, anybody got anything else for the podcast? No, I'm good. All right. Buy your raffle tickets. Go to our Facebook page, Cleveland Moto, on the Facebooks for a Cleveland Moto podcast. Got information on how to buy the raffle tickets there. 20 bucks gets you in the game. And if that's all, man, ride fast and take chances. Before Johnny Mac shows up. Press the button. Press the button.